What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And, of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, everyone? And we have a special guest in the building coming all the way from Say Hello to the Bad Guy Podcast. We have Dan the Man in the building. Yeah, yeah. Karate protecting my body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of the song. What is that? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Uh, Soldier Boy, I think. I I mean, I was doing Tommy Davidson from uh, In Living Color (laughs) when he was the uh, judo champ who always got beat up. (laughs) That's hilarious. Or like uh, Martin uh, Dragonfly Jones always got (laughs) beat up by the guy that was under him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So... On today's episode, we are going to have a conversation. Um, it's kind of going to be an open conversation, but we're going to talk about kind of some of the differences between old MMA and new MMA, uh, some of the things that we may have liked for changes, things that we may, you know, say, hey, why don't they do this or bring this back or whatever else? But it's going to be a pretty open conversation. So I threw this out to the fellas before we got started. And as usual, um, Locke always says I leave him for last, but you already know I'm going to go over to our special guest and I would love for him to kick it off first, you know, something maybe that, um, you know, he used to love about MMA back in the day. And, you know, now we look at MMA today and he's like, man, I wish. What's that thing, Dan? What do you wish? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, a lot of things, but if we're just sticking to MMA, um, (laughs) well, all right, first I gave you a disclaimer. I just want to give a disclaimer to the listeners. I am not as well-versed. Every other guest knows way more than I do, so get ready for some bullshit. I'm I'm here to get drunk. That makes it fun. I'm here to just get drunk and say things and make you two argue against each other. But uh, The The old divide and conquer. But when I was really thinking about what is different about MMA today, I it's a very broad thing, but I think it has to do with the mindset of it. Like um with the scoring now, people people fight more for the numbers, I think. Like if a fighter wins the first 3 fights, they're smart to uh to like just not fight the last two rounds it's smart to stay away just not get caught up and then you win by the three out of five shits and i think back in the The gsp yeah i think back in the day it was a lot more just fighting they weren't doing it for the point system they weren't doing it to score rounds it was straight up a fight see who wins the fight in even though that's not a very specific thing, I can't call out like specific fights or stats when that's happened. I just think overall, and it makes sense because 
as the sport got bigger, obviously fans and especially the organizations had to play the whole, no, this isn't fighting. This is sports competition. It's different. And I understand them from a business model and even just athletically them going that route. They have a lot more straight up athletes in MMA now than they used to. So I understand that, but I do miss just the good old days of, no, let's get two guys in there and they're just going to bust knuckles and we're going to see who wins. And I know that a lot of today's MMA fighters, they specifically like the athleticism and I do too. I'm not ignorant to the ground game. I like seeing good jujitsu, good wrestling. I'm not one of those, no, they throw fists or it's a shitty fight. Nothing like that. But even in ground game, I see people just, they play it more safe. It's like when you see two really good fighters, the first 10 seconds, they never run at each other. It's always they feel each other out. They're both kind of hesitant to who's going to jump in there. And I just wish there was a whole lot more of jumping in there nowadays. Yeah, I think um, I think on that, it actually brings up something that I was going to say, which is um, I love the old pride days. Um, and one of the reasons why I like those old days and just kind of MMA in Japan has to do with your record really didn't matter, right? It was about putting on a show for the fans. Um, it was about crazy matchups. There were so many things where you were not worried about whether it was a win or a loss, right? And so what happened in the transition, not only did, and I'm going to use the UFC for America because they really are the only ones that represent America, in the UFC, not only did your wins and losses become important, then they added on top of it, putting on a show. And I think that kind of hurt the product some, right? Because if you're worried about a win or a loss, you're not going to go out there and just fight your fight. There's so many other things in the back of your head. So uh, a lot of guys may not like, especially nowadays, may not like the ground and pound. You know, other than maybe Khabib's ground game, a lot of people don't like it. Whereas I can remember watching, you know, the Tito's and the Matt Hughes and a lot of those guys. And literally from point one, they're putting you on the ground. And the entire time, it's a smash on the ground. Today, you would get booed and probably wouldn't have a UFC contract, even if you won out. So I think what happened was you... you really had people that looked at the system and they're gaming the system, but you can't fault them for gaming the system because literally this is their job or their livelihood. It's like being a salesman and you have, you know, 10 products, but you found out if you can sell these three products very well, you're going to keep your job and make a good living no matter what happens you're going to sell the fuck out of those three products, right? So I think that's what kind of happened uh, in particular in the UFC. Yeah, I don't believe, like I said, it makes perfect sense. I think if you know that you won the first three rounds, you would be stupid to go out there and put yourself in danger of getting knocked out or getting submitted and letting the other guy finish a fight that was really in your pocket. So strategically and everything, I get that. I mean, I really think it's a product of the system. You know what I mean? It's It really comes down to judging, which we can get into about things that we don't like about the MMA. I just, I never got into the whole 
going for points. It should be a fight. I mean, I go even farther with it. In my mind, I don't even think you should count, like, he won this round, he won this round. Like, I think it should be, at the end of the fight, who's who won that fight. Like, I think, even if you're going to do it co-score-wise, I think, like, the fourth and fifth round should matter more than the first three. Because I get how... I don't watch too many other competitions, and I don't think that a lot of the your normal MMA fan does either. I think the normal MMA fan watches UFC. The real MMA fans will watch Pride and One and some of these other ones, but the really, really big like martial arts fans are the ones watching like kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling tournaments, so they understand the scoring more. But just in the UFC, what set that apart is the F. It's the fighting champion. It's not the U-M-M-M-A-C. Like, it's it's fighting. So at the end of the day, it should work as a fight. I mean, I go as far, I've, me and Locke have had plenty of conversations about this. I don't think there should be draws. I think if at the end of the fifth round, it's a draw, overtime bitches like i don't Lock, get you why know what i stop. just heard right you know what i just heard he wants ebi to come to the <laughs> ufc no points it's a win submission only or sudden death lock he just he just gave it an endorsement well uh, now i'm interested in this ebi that i know nothing <laughs> about because it sounds like yes well i think we you you originally said what do I miss about like the old days, which when I rewatch some of my old favorite fights, it turns out not much. Yeah, uh, when you think, actually watch them, it's slower. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot. There's some good fights, but there's not a lot of good fighting, if that makes sense. Um, but I think that is one of the things that I definitely miss is the fact that it was a fight and that you were going to fight until you won or you lost and that was it. And I understand that as a sport and you had to do that in order to be able to do it at all. In order to legalize it, there had to be a set of rules. But it's it's really terrible. The bad decisions and the draws, it's it's really the worst, my least favorite part of the, the fight game. So that's the one thing I miss. Mm. But the... But before you guys start talking about that, though, one thing that I actually miss the most about the old days, and it's because it's such a weird rule. I'm not even saying it's a good rule, but I miss when you could wear wrestling shoes as long as you didn't throw kicks. I thought about that one. And so I put down like five different things and I thought about that one. And unfortunately, it went down my list. But yes, and and I think especially if you go back to one of the episodes where, you know, we were talking about his wrestling back. And of course, Locke, you said wrestling has never left. It's always been here. <laughs> but um, you think about how many wrestlers that are really, you know, are pretty much from college, their thought process is already going into MMA and how many of them would benefit with a really good wrestling game, being able to get that footing in the cage using their shoes, you know? I think yeah, Locke T- just Tito Ortiz, that. Tito Ortiz in his heydays out there in some wrestling shoes. It was it was a great thing, man. And I, like I said, I like the oddness of the rule. You know, like hey, we'll let you wear wrestling shoes, but no kicks, buddy. Like it, it checks out. That's what I miss. That's what they should bring back to the UFC nowadays. Wrestling. Locke just, <laughs> Locke just wants shoes because he's self conscious about his giant albino hobbit feet. 
<laughs> What's funny about that is I was just recently I got um the new Tekken and I'm not a big video game person, but I got it just so that I can beat my nieces and nephews in video games and they had me playing games that these new games I can't see. They're too fast. Everything's too small. I don't get it. So I went old school and got Tekken, but it's like a new Tekken, right? And um, I forget the boxer's name. I think his name was Steve. But if you remember, he does not throw kicks at all. There's no kicks. He doesn't use his feet, right? So even when you're trying to do something low, he just, like, punches you in the kneecap. <laughs> just punches right? down? Punches yeah. on that weird yeah. downward yeah. angle? Exactly. Exactly. So... It would be that version of an MMA fighter. Like, you can't kick, but, you know, hey, you got your wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one. This was a big thing that um, I think they should bring back. And some other organizations have versions of it. But as we talk about often, the UFC is the premier organization and especially in America, it's not even close, right? There's no real rivals. Um, I think that in a lot of instances, they should bring back tournaments. Not the overall tournament like the very early days, but think about, for example, um, one had their tournament, how DJ ended up being able to fight for the uh, 135 title there where he won a tournament, right? You think about Daniel Cormier, which I'll touch on him again later for something else. But uh, you think about Daniel Cormier, his claim to fame, nobody knew who he was. He was fighting on uh, Strike Force. Um, I forget what they called that. Uh, they had a name for it. It was like their version of, you know, the Contender Series or whatever. He was fighting on that. And then they were having a heavyweight tournament. And he entered into the heavyweight tournament. Won the whole thing, became the champ, and then once, you know, the UFC bought out Strike Force, we know how that came out. But a lot of instances, so one of the reasons why I say that, if we look at the 170-pound division right now, the welterweights, and we were talking about in the fight group how a lot of the guys at the top have not fought each other. They fought Usman, but they haven't fought each other. So if you look at Kobe, of course, he just fought Masvidal now. But you look at Kobe, uh, Masvidal, Burns, uh, Edwards, some of these guys, like, really hadn't fought each other. And I said, what if you took the top eight and made a four-man bracket tournament, right? Especially right now would have been the perfect time because Usman is out. You know, he had surgery on his hand. So you, you schedule it for every three months. So it's a nine-month tournament, right? You have a fight every three months. And at the end of that, you will have a person definitively who will be able to challenge Usman for the title, right? And then you add an alternate in there or two. So the way I had it, and I'm going to give you the bracket matchup because, of course, you know, I did all of that stuff. So you would have number one <laughs> fight got, number eight. You got eight. so excited about got, his idea. Listen, You're like, you know listen, what? We're doing we, this. We have to, we have okay. to sell this to Dana White. I'm all so for it. Have... Kumate. 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 <laughs> we would have Kobe I, fighting. I was, thinking Mar- uh, I was thinking March Madness. This is tournament season, man. Same, same thing. That's great. Dell so, played a video game. Now he's making Mortal Kombat and Usman and Shane Exactly. Song. The same thing. So we would have Kobe at number one, fighting Bradley at number eight. 
Burns at number two fighting Masvidal at number seven. So we would have scrapped that Chamaya fight. We have Edwards at number three fighting Thompson at number six. And then we would have Luke at number four fighting Bilal at number five, which is a fight that's already coming up in April. And then as alternates, we would have Neil Magny and Shemaev in case anybody gets hurt because we need to do it on a schedule. And that's where I'm pretty sure at some point somebody would fall out. And we could even have Shemaev and Magny fight in that first round to see who's going to be the alternate and who's going to be the backup alternate. That would be so exciting for everybody, for the UFC, for MMA in general. Why don't we have stuff like that, especially when we have these guys that really haven't mixed it up with each other? No, I think that's a great idea because the leagues that are doing the tournament format and they're not doing it as good as that. I hate to shit on those organizations, but those tournaments are the most interesting thing about them. You know, the one thing Ooh, that you're missing. Well, the one thing that you're missing is fighters that I, you know, I'm really excited about. Like the tournament is dope, but I don't really know these guys, you know, or I know some yep. of them, and and that makes it a problem. But yeah, seeing that format at the highest level would be the dream situation. And um, imagine the upsets, right? Like we we just recently went to the NCAA um, wrestling finals, right? And you know, I didn't know a lot. I don't know the people and everything like that. So, Dan, I was you at that. Actually, I was worse than you are, like 10 times worse, right? But I'm there, and it was me, Locke, and Tyler that went. And Tyler's like, oh, this guy, he he should win it all. And then there's an upset, right? And you see these things, but you're watching it in a bracketed format, and it's really exciting. So, to your point, Locke, um, you know, even if you think about the NCAA tournament, we look at – a team like Gonzaga, who today is a household name in the tournament. But I remember back in the day when they went to their first tournament and it was a big deal and they were the Cinderella team and everybody was talking about, oh, they want, oh, wait a minute. They got past the 64. Oh my God. They're to the sweet 16, right? It was a really big deal. Even though you didn't know these guys, you didn't watch them play the whole season. So I think the same thing. And once again, that's where I take a Daniel Cormier. He made his name in the Strike Force heavyweight tournament. And I'm not saying you do it all the time, but there should be a format to implement this in certain situations. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for a tournament. Motherfuckers love brackets. You know what I mean? Like basketball is the biggest sport. What's the biggest part? Everybody knows March Madness. People yep. love fantasy stuff just to build up their brackets and figure out who's stepping up the ladder. Like, just that alone, I think, would be a giant draw. I mean, I'm with you. The UFC has the talent so that the tournament would go on without a hitch, would be very entertaining. But just that in itself, them selling like, yeah, we're going to have a tournament and everything, I think... Tons of even people that aren't into UFC so much because they feel lost, they feel whatever. You can turn it, tune into this tournament, start from the beginning. Even if you don't know any of the fighters, you watch a few, they move up. By the time you get up a couple brackets, you start to know the fighters and you start. I mean, actually, that would be a good like gateway, like way to get more people in MMA that feel like they just haven't jumped in the game yet. This nice 
like tight confined tournament would allow them to jump in and really get a feel for it without feeling overwhelmed by all these crazy names they don't know. Yeah, I think the only way place where the UFC does that and it's always worked well is the Ultimate Fighter and now the Contender Series. But there's nothing in the actual UFC. These are all people trying to get into the UFC. But as we know, the Ultimate Fighter saved the UFC. And what was it? It was a bracketed tournament. And of course, you know, they mixed in some, uh, you know, reality TV. So you got to know the the guys a little bit more. But these were guys that you didn't know from whoever else. Um, in my opinion, at the time at which they were in the in the house, they were not the most skilled individuals. Even if we look at the fight that probably saved the UFC, right? Stefan Bonner versus uh, uh, Forrest Griffin. It wasn't a very technical fight. They just beat the shit out of each other, right? But the investment that a lot of people that were watching that had in that fight and to see them go out there and put it all on the line. And then as Dana White likes to, to say, everybody kept calling everybody and said, hey, these two guys are beating the shit out of each other. Got to go watch, right? So when you look at that and you put it together, that's kind of the way how you home grow stars, right? And one of the things um, like we talked about in a, you know episode previous, I, I mentioned that I feel like... Um, Bellator doesn't do a good job of growing homegrown stars. It's not that you don't have people that start out there that stay there, right? Like your um, uh, Douglas, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Douglas Lima's and some of those guys, but they don't know how to grow these individuals in the stars that are homegrown. Most of their stars came from somewhere else, right? So, you know, in the UFC, with the exception of some of those other things, the contender series and everything like that, I think this would put a bigger spotlight on some of the guys that are already in this UFC. And it'll shake out some of these areas where you're trying to figure out some of these matchups and have people very emotionally invested. Oh, absolutely. And something I think you could do on top of that, uh, that tournament format is you could do tournaments at different divisions because the reason the welterweight division would be so great right now is because you have all these guys that have been sorting themselves out. And we really know here's this cream of the crop and we need to figure out who's the top one. The lightweight mm -hmm. division has been like that a couple of times, but that don't mean you have to do it all the time. You know, you could do the tournament and you get like a legit champ that has basically cleaned out this division. And then maybe next year you do like the middleweight division and then you could give that division some time to sort itself back out and then, you know, reestablish the pecking order and then do it again. But it's not like you have to do a constant tournament format. You could constantly do a tournament, but you rotate the divisions to keep it fresh still. Yeah, and I think that's how one does it because that tournament, like, they don't do that tournament all the time, right? So um, I think what you said is a good way to do it and – you don't put the pressure on a person believing that they have to win a tournament to get a shot. But as you mentioned, especially some of these divisions where you just have these long reigning champs and they fight the same guy, you know, when Usman is fighting the same guys, 
two about to go to three times with some of these guys, right? They're talking about him and Kobe fighting again. It'll be the third time. How is that possible when Kobe haven't even fought some of the guys below him? You need something else to shake it out. Now, if Kobe can come out of that tournament as the number one guy, he's shown and proved, no, you make this fight with Usman again because no one else is close to these two, right? But until you make something definitive like that, it, it, it's like, eh, do we really want to see Usman Kobe 3? I don't. Yeah, I don't want to see that at all. I think Leon Leon Edwards is the next one up. But, you know, the the Griffin Bonner fight that you talked about, it's funny that you said that because I had it up as something I want to talk about, but in a completely different context. So we were originally talking about like back in the day and the old school MMA and stuff like that. And, and that's one of the things that I thought was kind of crazy is at the time when that fight happened, a lot of the people that were watching that or just jumped on board a lot of the the diehards at the time, like called them tough fans and, you know, didn't respect them. When you look at it now, that's a lot of people's good old days because that was almost 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. So Forrest and, you know, Forrest and Bonner, that's a lot of people's classics. But I think it's ironic that when we always talk about our back in the days and the good old fights, they're, oh, it's always a shitty fight. You know, like when you watch, like when Hoist Gracie was people choking out, choking out people, none of them were good fights. He either choked them out real quick and it was easy or it was those long, stupid, boring fights where he's holding chemo's hair. You know what Nobody I mean? Nobody would watch that, that today. What's that? Nobody would watch that today. If you remember, Nobody. I told you, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the UFC when like UFC one, two, three, all that. I wasn't there. I came, I started watching UFC like. It was like a year before Zufa took over, like 2001 or something, right? So at that point in time, I went back and watched all of those old fights. And even at that point in time, it was tough to watch those fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's when everybody started talking about, you know, oh, why don't they just punch them and that kind of stuff. You know, people, they didn't like that stuff. And, and I think another misconception of the back in the day fighting is that, you know, we like to think of these guys, you know, as just out there fighting. These guys were all trained, too. Now, they weren't cross-trained, so they didn't have the well-rounded skill set. But even Tank Abbott, Tank Abbott, where we like to say he was fresh off the bar stool, he was a Juco wrestler. You know, he boxed. He had, you know, learned how to box from, like, a world champion. Now, he wasn't a great boxer. But compared to the skill levels at that time, that was a decent amount of training, you know? Um, yeah. Plus, he had the the strength. He was one of those few guys that, back in the day, that can touch you and just knock you out. It wasn't a lot of guys back in the day that could do that. Yes, and and he could only even do it for a second. Um, but when you when you talk about the strength, though, that video is still out there. It shows him all benching six hundred pounds. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, a lot of weight that I would never want to lift. <laughs> And, real well, quick, and he throws every punch like from from way back here, you know. So that's a that's a shot that you're eating when it comes across. It wasn't he like the first person to try to toss somebody over the cage, like try to just toss them over the ring. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And that was a funny. The ref had to say, "Wait, wait, you can't throw him over the cage." <laughs> like, wait a minute, I did not see that in the rule set. 
It just I believe clarify, the rules are no eye gouging and no fish hooking, and that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knew Tank was such a litigator, you know? But, uh, well, I mean, just That's clarify, like, uh, uh, real quick, that's the same thing when Keith Hackney started blasting Joe Sando in the balls, and then they're like, <laughs> okay, uh, no ball shots either. You know? Yeah. They're just making was, up the rules as they go. That's hard to watch. That yes. one is hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a little much. Like, it's so weird, like, the level something has to get before they make a rule about it. Like, okay, wait, on second thought, let's think about this. But, uh, I agree, I just want to make sure people don't get the wrong idea. When I talk about them going back to fighting, I recognize full well those early ones, which I did watch, and I was a kid, so for me, those were just like, all oh, these big dudes punch each other in the face, it was cool. Looking back at it, those are horrible fights. They are real shitty. And like I said, those ones where people come in and they just start swinging that stuff that no talented just brawling. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like the people that are skilled, especially today, the skills that they have today. The game has come such a far way. It's so higher elevated that I think if they stopped playing safe and they went back to that fighter mentality, because even today you have those certain fighters that go out there they don't hesitate and they do those big things because it really comes down to having confidence in yourself. I could throw this out there and I'm not worried about it backfiring too much. I have the skills to defend against it in case it doesn't go my way. And I think if more people had that mentality today with the actual striking skills that they have, I think it would be much better actual fights. Like not those old school brawls, like no talented shit. Yeah, I think um I think once again if 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 they didn't have to worry about so many things when they're under the UFC banner, right? So one you already know it's going to put more pressure on you. It's a bigger crowd than anywhere else you're going to go to more eyes on you. There's so many factors there. But then have to worry about keeping your job or losing your job having to worry about whether you're putting on a show or not. You know, Kobe Covington is a, a great example of that, and it, it'll actually roll into the next thing I was going to say. I like back in the day when you could just be a fighter, right? GSP never had to be a huge personality. He was able to just be a fighter, right? So many guys back in the day. And ever since the UFC got into the Connor business, everybody has to be Connor because that's what they're forcing. So if you look at a guy like Kobe Covington, I don't like him as a person at all. As a fighter, I think he's phenomenal. And we had a whole conversation in which Locke tried to beat me up and tell me that there's more than like, you know, two people in the UFC that could beat Kobe Covington if they were the same size, which is which is preposterous, right? But <laughs> if I look at a guy like Kobe Covington, who's highly skilled, was undefeated, everything in the UFC, and he was about to get cut, not because of his ability, but simply because he didn't draw numbers. That becomes a problem. So now what that brought upon is, Everybody, even if you're the quiet reserve person, you're trying to have this over-the-top personality. And I think it hurts the product. And Kobe Covington is probably the best example of it hurting the product. He's the like he 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 would take triple C 
That's uh, that's uh, Henry Cejudo. He would take Triple C's crown as the king of cringe. Everything he does seems so unnatural and so forced. But he had to go this extreme way just not to get cut by the UFC when it had nothing to do with his skills. That's a part that I liked back in the day. You know, you had, I mean, so many guys didn't have a personality. Like, I mean, uh, Matt Hughes, he had less of a personality than probably a wet paper bag, right? But, you know, they marketed him. They put him out there. He was a he was a great champ in a 170-pound division, right? He he was never at risk of getting cut. He, not only was he, he not a big personality, he was a big ground-and-pound guy. He's going to go out there, take you down, hold you on the ground for the duration of every single round and throw elbows. That was his whole game plan, and there was a spot for him. That same person... There's no spot for them in the UFC today. And I think it it sucks because you can be really good, but if you don't have this over-the-top personality or something that sells, you get cut. But now if you have that, you could be a Conor and be on a multiple fight win streak. I mean, lose, losing streak. You could be a Diaz and be on, uh, on a multiple fight losing streak. They're talking about Conor coming back and fighting for another title, right? Masvidal said he just signed the second or third biggest contract in the UFC, and he's coming off of, what, three losses now, right? The problem is it's only reserved for these over-the-top personalities, and I wish that people could fight freely, and you just cut people when it's time and you need to cycle new talent in, not necessarily because of wins and losses. And if they win... You don't cut them just because they're not the big personality you want. Yeah, well, I think gonna... there's a lot of guys that kind of struggle with that. Um, the Diaz brothers, now they've been able to sell fights. They have a weird personality unto their own, but they've always had a hard time with all the other parts of the fight game. They train and they train harder than anybody, and they show up and they fight on fight day, but they don't like the press conferences and they don't like the you know, media and they don't like the obligations. It's just not for them. And and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people when you see to develop the personality to become the star that you need, it seems to lead in trouble in one of two ways. Either trouble with the career, like i.e. Ronda Rousey, you know, where you start struggling with it inside the ring, or and what, like the Conor McGregor's and uh to where it, you go so WWE that you become that guy and now you're that guy with a very dangerous skill set and you're just out there getting in trouble on the streets, you know? So I I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of forcing these people to try to be somebody to sell fights when they have a talent as a fighter. I agree. What were you about to say, Dan? I was going to say at first I was going to kind of argue with you about how personality has always been a thing. I mean, you take, Tank Abbott that we already talked about, uh, Ken Shamrock, Chuck Liddell, they all did have personality, but then you switch and you said marketing. And I think that's the big difference is when you look at those older fighters, their, their personality was their fighting style. Tank Abbott was the big brawler that would beat you up. That was his personality. Chuck Liddell was the tough guy that would hit you with the haymaker and could stand there and bang with you. That was his personality. Ronda Rousey was 
the number one badass chick. Like, you can't beat her. She was she was Hulk Hogan in his prime. She had the arm bar. That was her style. You know, she wasn't known to strike. Their their style was their their personality. But the problem with that and what's changed today is you brought up people that, you know, when they lose, they still have their personality to fall back on. When Tank Abbott, his brawling didn't work anymore. That was, that wasn't just he started losing athletically. That was, no, Tank, that guy is done. Chuck Liddell, when he got knocked out, then all of a sudden that sort of broke the dam and his his chin just wasn't there anymore. That was Chuck Liddell's personality. That went away. He wasn't that Chuck. Bye. Nowadays, I think that's what separated, I mean, you guys keep on bringing up the Diaz brothers, I think their personality is that, the fuck you anti-establishment personality. And so they're able to stay alive because by not playing the game, by even losing and saying, fuck it, I don't care, I'm going to go do a triathlon. That is their personality. So that persists. So that's why they're able to hang in there by not playing the game is them playing the personality game. You know, and I think today they're able to rely on the personality more so that if athletically they fall apart, they can still hold on. So the biggest difference, though, in what you're saying and what I'm saying is that back in the day, there was nobody that would win and keep winning. And the UFC would say, we're going to cut you because you're not a big draw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that is weird. Yeah, so now the personality is bigger than anything else. Well, because Royce Gracie was one of those guys that nowadays would probably be cut because they wouldn't like his style and he would be boring. Right. And he'd be a guy that was on the verge because you're not a big burly guy, you don't have any tattoos, you don't have a cool gimmick, and your style is you kind of lay around until they do something stupid and then you strangle them. That wouldn't yeah. fly nowadays. And he's this legend, like, Mount Rushmore guy. Right. And... Dana would cut him today. Yeah. He'd watch him on the contender series and be like, yeah, I'm I'm good. Exactly. And meanwhile, they'll have somebody else. That's a big personality, especially coming off of the contender series. Nobody comes off of the contender series and makes it into the UFC unless they're either a big personality or there's a big story behind them because they're looking at the numbers, right? They're looking at the draw. And I'm not saying draw shouldn't be any factor at all, but when that's literally a factor in getting cut or not, you force people into these personalities that's not even them or not natural, and you force more issues into the sport. Not to mention, you have some guys that thrive off of controversy and the BS and they fight better, and you have other people that it hinders them, right? That person should be allowed to be in whatever lane is going to make them the best fighter because that's what we want to see, the best fights, right? I don't care whether this person is a big name or a big draw. I could care less. The reason why I like the Diaz brothers is because I know when they go out there, no matter what, it's going to be a fight, right? But I take somebody else that was like that back in the day, not too far back in the day, but still back in the day. Leonard Garcia, right? He was a blood and guts type of, you know, fighter. 
going out there, he's going to put it on the line every time, right? But he didn't make it. He wasn't that big personality that Adia's brother is, you know? And then you have some other guys that I feel like they should cut, not because of that person not being a big personality or not even because they're losing. It's how they're losing. So when they decided that they didn't want Chuck fighting anymore, that was great in my opinion. Because Chuck was going out there getting knocked out. And one thing that I'm really big about, and Locke will tell you this, I love these fighters. I love seeing you go out on your shield. But what I don't like is seeing you taking punishment over and over again when there's no chance of you winning, doing a title run or anything else. And now you're not going to be able to talk to your kids or your grandkids because of brain damage. That's what I don't like, right? But as long as you're still out there and you're able to go out there and put on a performance, I think there should be a lane for you, you know? And that's that's the part that I think is is missing. And once again, as far as the personality thing, if you have a big personality, you can do that. You know, the Diaz brothers don't win fights anymore. That That's over, right? But they're such a big personality. And then you mix in what you said um what you said, Dan, which was, I do think it helps that they say, F it, I fight, I fight, I don't, I don't, because one of the things that it gives time for is a break for people to miss you. That's one of the things that Connor keeps doing. He gives you a break, even though this time it was literally a break. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he gives you a break to miss him and he talks so much trash that it's like, you know what? I think he might be able to beat Usman. And now there's a call for him to go up and fight Usman for the title, right? So, uh, you know, I get it. I just wish it was still, one, a lane for guys that didn't have to go over the top with personality that can just go out there with their skill and perform. And it just really isn't there. Um, and most of the guys, especially the top guys back in the day, didn't have personality. Anderson Silva never even spoke English, right? And he had this silly smile on his face all the time. You know, you had so many guys that just didn't have this personality, but their skills spoke for itself. And, you know, the UFC wrote with it. Now, I just don't think that goes if you're not a trash talker. Uh, 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 and the, cra- the crazy part about that is... Let me throw this one thing in. Stylebender, as greatly skilled as he is, is not Stylebender if he's not talking trash in the UFC today. Definitely. I just wanted to say, like Anderson Silva, notice you said he didn't speak English. Not that he couldn't speak English. He did speak English. He literally just didn't. Listen, (laughs) Chell Sonnen told the story and. Hey, if Uncle Chell said it, it must be true. <laughs> you know, it's uh you were talking about when they did make uh Chuck retire or whatever, like you were happy. I the whole time you were saying that, I would say one of the worst downfalls that I remember is Ken Shamrock. Like towards the end of Ken Shamrock's career, like even in the first round, I was like, dude, Ken, stop it. Like, as soon as they announced, like, Ken Shamrock on the next fight, like, dude, what are you doing? Just stop. Like, that was one of the worst cases of just stop hanging in there. Don't listen to that cat hanging from the tree. Let it go, Ken. 
Like that yeah, was a Ken horrible Shamrock call. versus Tito Ortiz in the fight. I have not seen that. Looks like if you ever, if anybody remembers Martin, it's one of my favorite sitcoms all time. When Martin fought Tommy Hearns, and at the end of the episode, they had like this mask thing on Martin, and he was just nodded, and his face was twisted. That's how Ken Shamrock looked at the end of the Tito Ortiz fight. And I think that was one of those. Um, uh, Locke and I did an episode before called MMA Errors where we talked about kind of the errors or whatever. And I think Ken Shamrock was the last of that original first error. He was the last one trying to compete with the newer error. And it, all of those guys that came back to try to compete like when Hoist came back, it's, it, it's just not good. It, it, and I'm not even talking about today's MMA. We're talking about going back to the Tito Ortiz era and everything. It, the gap had widened too big. Um, those guys just couldn't compete with that new uh, MMA. And to your point, I think the issue was Ken came back. He should have never came back. Um, I don't know if it was a money thing or what happened. I think it was more of an ego and rivalry thing with his camp and Tito Ortiz. But, um, yeah, that didn't work out well at all. And I'm glad he left after that and, you know, went back to wrestling or whatever. Or he should have did like his brother did. His brother, I think, made a really good transition over to being a commentator and some other stuff. I'm not sure where he's at now, but I know he was like, commentating for strike force for a while after he had um you know uh retired as a fighter from there but for a lot of these guys they should be thinking about that transition a sport is getting bigger and bigger you look at what they're doing with the nba nfl everything like that what used to be a bunch of non-players talking about everything right on on you know espn nbc sports whatever right all of a sudden now you have just, you know, a lot of ex-players that's really able to talk from a perspective of the game. And we're starting to get more of that in the UFC now, but there's still a big lane. And we're not even talking about, you know, just now a lot of them getting into podcasting and some of that stuff. Look at what Mike Tyson is doing as an ex-boxer in the podcast world. So, there's lanes for these guys, and this is where the, I always bring up like EBI or other things for guys that really still want to compete. You don't have to go to that point where you're getting your head bashed in, and it's not even a competition anymore just because you love the sport. There's other avenues, in my opinion, where we can still appreciate you. And now, once you're older and you want to tell some of those stories, yes, I want to hear the story about Vanderlei Silva you know, getting knocked out by crazy horse and, you know, it, it pride, I think that was Vanderlei, you know, in pride in the, in the back room, all of these crazy stories that come out that you only find out once these guys get older and everything like that and sit down and start telling the stories. I want to hear these. I want to hear it from you. I want you to be, you know, of cognitive mind to be able to tell me these stories and not all, you know, scramble. Yeah, but if you ever heard an interview with Ken Shamrock, that dude didn't. You don't want to hear that guy talking. That guy was a, was a mess. I I honestly think what happened was he quit the fighting because he's like, 
man, this time I'm getting beat up, I'll go do WWE, went that route and realized that that is just as physically demanding, just as bad. And as a big, that was my era, the, 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 uh, what do they call the attitude era of wrestling when Ken Shamrock was in it. And I can tell you, he wasn't making it that good as a wrestler. So I think he thought like, well, fuck it. I'll go back to being a fighter. Then just started getting beat up. But, uh, I think, didn't Dan the B. Severin come back during that time, too, for a couple of fights, like, real quick, and he realized he didn't have it in him, and he did the right thing? He was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm out again. Didn't he pop up again? I think if I'm thinking of the the right person, I always confuse Dan Severin with somebody else, but if I'm thinking of the right person, he fought for a really long time after that, but he was fighting in Michigan, and he would fight, like, regional stuff and just beat the shit out of guys, but... His style, that old school style where he was still the bigger guy and a big wrestler, I don't remember him taking a lot of punishment in that in that case. But um, you know, he's super old now, so of I, I definitely wouldn't want to see him fight now. But his style of MMA, I don't think he took a lot of punishment. No, I just and thought Locke, I you would know you would know on that one better than me. I know you know. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, the gym I had trained with was a Dan Severn affiliate. Um, but he fought till 2012. He, his record was 101, 19, and 7. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, he wasn't fighting like UFC caliber no. guys. He was fighting like, like in, in Michigan before they changed the rules, there was a lot of small like promotions and stuff. Um, and he would go and like beat the shit out of dudes and that. <laughs> Yeah, no, was, I thought, you like get a name or your belt out. Just I'll looking be the guy. at, just looking at some of his. He was fighting in Kearney, Nebraska, and Minot, North Dakota. You know, like so small reservation fights. Just yeah, regional yeah. circuit. Yeah, um, I re- I remember he quit. I just thought during that uh, Ken Shamrock resurgence when he thought he could do it again. I thought Dan just popped up like once or twice just to do a couple of fights and then just ducked right back out again. No, but he I'm fought nonstop wrong. straight through until t- 2012. So he never stopped once yeah. he started. He just moved to the no, regional circuit. But no, I'm saying like in the UFC, I thought he popped oh. for a couple UFC. Fights I think he tried. I think the problem stopped. with both the problem with both of them in the WWE is ultimately the lack of personality. So you're talking about these fighters need a personality. When you go with the WWE, it's more that I think Ken Shamrock yeah. would have been able to hang physically. You know, he was in pretty good shape. Most of those wrestlers are beat up too. So Ken would have, you know, he would have been equally beat up. I think he doesn't have the personality for it. Like one of the notorious uh, ultimate fighter moments was him and uh, Tito Ortiz in each other's faces talking shit. And neither of them are any good at it. And it was just some of the most (laughs) awkward exchanges where now even the guys aren't even breaking it up. They're just kind of standing around like, okay, are these guys done? Because this is lame. So I, that's why I, yeah. I don't think he's able to make it. But those fights, if you remember, Tito Ortiz beat the shit out of him twice because he beat yep. the shit out of him, and then they stopped it, and he complained and said, dude, I wasn't out. Why'd you stop it? So they're <laughs> like, all right, we'll rebook it. And then Tito beat the shit out of him one more time. Like, okay, stop letting Tito beat the shit out of Ken Shamrock. It's not fair. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. um, WWE reminds me of theater acting. So what people don't know about me is I used to be a thespian at one point in time. Dork. <laughs> and, <laughs> the, 
theater acting is meant to be over the top because everything you do has to project for the crowd. So it's it's purposely meant to be over the top. It's not to the, the person same in as, the back. Yeah, they call correct to the back of the room. Correct. It's not the same as if you're in a movie or a TV show or whatever else. WWE, in my opinion, is theater acting. Well, what's happening in the UFC now is you have people that are natural personalities like a Diaz brother or Connor, but then you have your Kobe Covingtons and some of these other guys, your Triple C and some of them that are theater acting because they don't have a personality. And that's where the UFC is kind of forcing that, you know, that notion. But, um, yeah, as far as a lot of the old guys, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that most of those guys decided not to come back. It's a bad idea, especially in today's MMA. I mean, these guys are good everywhere. Even the person that you think, like if you look at somebody like Adesanya and you think that his wrestling is shit, it's so much better, especially what he can put together with his wrestling than people of the eras before. It's it's light years ahead. You just don't see it because, one, the wrestlers are so much better, in particular at mixing it up, right? And he's so good at all the other things mixed in with wrestling where he doesn't have to wrestle, right? Unless, you you know, you put him up against uh, Jan. That's a different story, <laughs> right? But um, so, you know, I think a lot of these guys that retired, it's a good idea. I wish some more people would retire, you know, but um, I really think for some of these guys, it comes down to money. Like with a lot of sports, the pioneers didn't make a lot of money because there wasn't a lot of money there. They were doing it for the love. And some of these older people, especially that are not into technology, they don't realize how much money is in the sport still for a veteran if you're not fighting, like some of the avenues that I named, right? Tyson right now with all of the avenues that he has from his podcast to him being able to cross promote with his, you know, marijuana business and everything else, I'm pretty sure he's making a ton of money and he's not getting punched in the face, right? For a lot of these guys, you know, could you imagine Dan Sever having a, a, a podcast and then part of his podcast also was he did like like how, uh, you know, Rogan does Fight Companion. He did the wrestling companion for the NCAA finals that just happened. Like how many people would tune into that shit? You know, have another personality on there. There's so many other avenues where these guys don't have to fight. Yeah, well, I mean, should... I'm with you with the business, like them going into other business, but a lot of these guys, they don't necessarily got the gift of gab like some of the people you're naming. But yeah, they go into, like, you mentioned Mike Tyson, like his podcast, but he also has his big marijuana business. But I think that's a big thing. I think athletes in general have uh, gotten kind of up on that game now. I think just about in any field, any retired athlete turned into an entrepreneur. I think that's almost par for the course now 
Well, what I think has happened is information has gotten out there and people have learned from past mistakes. It's not much different than what you see entertainers and musicians doing. They were all getting robbed by promoters, whether it was a boxer or a musician or whatever at one point, and then they learned the game and then they start learning how to make their own brand to make their own money. You know, so I think athletes, there's just now became enough money into it where those options are available. You know, there has to be enough interest in your sport. So the reason that, you know, NFL players are able to do it because NFL has been huge, you know, since the, well, at least huge since the sixties or seventies, you know, it's been around a long time. You have to have that, you know, cachet. Michael Phelps is the best Olympian ever. Nobody listens to his swimming podcast. Yeah, I think the difference, though, is, especially in today's era, if you're comparing it to you have to have millions of followers, I agree. How much income are these guys trying to replace? How much money did UFC 1 through fucking 20? How much money did these guys make? You still have guys today that are making 5000 a fight. So it's not like you have to replace this large income. You don't have to be Joe Rogan, right? And as far as personalities, yeah, I get it. Some of these guys may not have the big personality. I don't think it's needed. And I think proof is Mike Tyson, with a lot of stuff, it's almost like you have to go back to before it happened and put yourself in a frame of mind before it happened because it's easy to understand it once it happened. If somebody told you, hey, Mike Tyson's going to come out with a podcast, and he's just going to be talking to people. Based upon what you know about Mike Tyson talking, especially calm Mike, you would say that that sounds terrible. Mike Tyson, nobody even likes the way that he talks. That sounds terrible. Right? And you look at it hey, today, it's like, no, it was a great idea. This right? podcast is going to be very <laughs> so, special. You look at one of my favorite podcast out there is called all the smoke it's nba players right it's matt barnes and steven jackson especially matt barnes like he doesn't have a big personality at all there's nothing about his personality that's like big right it's more the conversations it's the stories that people want to hear um jj reddit has a podcast that's, that's pretty good that i think is on the upswing he's not a big personality and he's, he brings in some of these guys and they'll talk about like old Duke stories of Coach K. These are it, some, a lot of this stuff is like things that the core people want to hear. And then you slowly roll in more audience from there. But as far as a lot of these guys replacing their money, especially these old guys, 10,000 true fans. They can replace every dollar they made plus some. That's all it takes. It doesn't take a lot of fans, true fans, to replace money. If you understand what you're doing, right? Especially when you're already a name. You're already a name. You're an icon. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Dan Severn is in like the UFC Hall of Fame. You know, these things mean something and you ride them into something and you don't have to be by yourself. That's why, for example, Mike Tyson always had a co-host. You don't have to be by yourself. Joe Rogan's a huge personality, right? 
but he doesn't do everything by himself with his podcast or even in the broadcast booth, right? So I think when you look at it like that, a lot of these guys, you don't think people would listen to Chuck Liddell tell old UFC behind-the-scenes fight stories? I mean, think about it, Locke. One of your episodes on Say Hello to the Bad Guy was talking about the old Tito and uh, uh, what's his name? The, Lee Murray? The, yeah, Lee Murray fights and stuff like that. You don't think that Chuck has a lot of those old stories of things that he can tell, right? You don't think people would listen to that shit? <laughs> of course they uh, would. <clears throat> well, no, Chuck would be good because he could do similar to what Tank Abbott was trying to do, but on a higher level is, you know, give you like the the kind of gritty, dirty version of some of these old stories. So I know he he, he definitely could do that. I think a lot of these guys are missing the technology and the people behind it that understands the marketing. That's all that they're missing. It's not the stories. It's not the personality because I don't think it has to be that huge. But I want to give, before we wrap it up, did anybody have any other one that they really want to touch on that we didn't get to before we wrap this up? I mean, I got other say, but I mean, if we're about to wrap it up, I would just be opening up a whole nother uh, fucking can of worms. So, <laughs> no, just one of those things. You know how I was like, oh man, I really want to get to this one. If you had something like that, I would say we'd go ahead and throw it in. If not, yeah. we'll go ahead and uh, kind of sum it up and wrap it up. Let everybody do a quick little summary and and wrap it up. Well, I mean to throw it out real quick. I'm I'm happy to see where women's MMA has came. Like, yes. in the beginning, that was almost like a, ah, eh, that ain't gonna happen. I mean, you guys even covered it in the uh, Ronda Rousey Fallen Goat episode. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. she was there to prove Dana White wrong. And like, yeah, it became a giant thing. It moved past her. Which, that episode, I must be out the loop. I didn't know people forgot about Rousey like that. You guys kept on saying people forget what Rousey did to the game. I didn't realize people f- forgot. She's always been at the fucking top. Even if you think, like, she lost or whatever you feel, like, you can't deny what she did for women's MMA. That's crazy. But, uh... Yeah, to see mm-hmm. how far it came, and now people that, like, at first was like, yeah, let's just watch these chicks fight, ha ha ha. Now it became, like, a lot of pay-per-view, the uh, the female fight ends up being, like, the fight of the night. So, it's real cool to see how far that's come. Yeah, I agree. They they fight really hard. And yeah, as far as Ronda, the big thing where you see it, and you understand that people don't get it, is because when they talk about the goats or the top female fighters or whatever, you never hear Ronda mentioned anymore. So that's when you know, oh, people forgot, right? Um, it's like, um, it's like my best example of that is in the NBA, right? When they talk about the goat or who's the greatest of all time or whatever. And all of a sudden Kobe doesn't get mentioned anymore. And it's like, did you really forget Kobe's career? Even how, how he left the game, do you re- did you really forget that last game that he had going out on his shield? But, you know, it, as new people come along or whatever, you know, things move on. But I agree, women's MMA was a great addition to new MMA that we didn't have in old MMA as far as mainstream. Like, did you want to throw something in there? Yeah, and if you want to see where it came from when we talk about how far it came, because... 
we we start off talking about the old school, so I watched some of my favorite old school fights before it came here. So go check out the Keith Hackney Emmanuel Yarbrough fight. And uh, I would go to YouTube and find a clip that's with the Karate Kid, You're the Best Around Music, would be my version. And it's a perfect <laughs> okay. example of great fight, not very good fighting. But just watch that and then remember that next time you want to say, oh, just punch them or why don't they? I would just go off in a fight. Like, yeah, they used to do that. And that's what it looked like. I mean, it worked. <laughs> he won the fight. It's cool. But, you know, we have came a long way. Hey, it Listen, was Karate Kid music worthy, wasn't it? <laughs> you don't see those kind of matchups unless we bring pride back. But um, to sum it up, um, as we talked about, there's going to be some things that you like from old MMA, some things that you like from new MMA. Um, the main thing that I want to see is MMA to continue to thrive, do new things, push it forward, and not be stuck into, especially the UFC in the U.S., not being stuck into only trying to promote a star. Stars will automatically come out of the woodwork. Stars are born. Conor McGregor would have been a star, even if you were not trying to promote him as a star. Some people have it. Some people don't. And um, in general, a lot of things that the fans would want to see that could make the product even better. Um, you know, I wish the UFC would listen to the fans a little bit, not just for some of the matchups that come out. And uh, other than that, go ahead. Well, if they're going to listen to fans, let's start by, like, let's roll back the pay-per-view price back, though. Let's, let's start there. <laughs> well, that wasn't, that. Dana said that wasn't his fault, and he was upset about it, and it was ESPN, and Uncle Dana does not lie. Oh, so. I know. I know Dana said, and he is so mad. So I get it. He was like, oh, man, I'm so upset. Why would ESPN do that? Now we're going to have to make more money. Oh, <laughs> man. That's how it went. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I miss to, about the old UFC, the prices. <laughs> <laughs> but to, um, What I wouldn't give for a $35 pay-per-view. <laughs> to wrap it up... Um, some of the things you're going to like old, some of the things you're going to like new, but as with everything, as it progresses, different things will change. So this has been a great episode. They're all Lock, great. Any last words? They're all great. Any last words? Yeah. What I would say is what most important thing to learn from this is don't be the back in my day guy. It always sucks, <laughs> man. <laughs> the Duke, Dan, the man, any last words? Motherfuckers act like they forgot about Trey. <laughs> All right, everybody. That wraps up another episode of the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Thank you for coming. Listen again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA Podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links dot fatboymma.com thank you for listening